Lord God, we stand up here singing these words. And Father, I pray, God, that we would understand just how much you love us, Lord. And, and when we don't feel like we belong anywhere else, Lord, we know that we belong with you. We know that you have welcomed us in. Lord, you have rescued us. And you have written the greatest love story of all time, Lord. And we just thank you that we get to be a part of that. Lord, we love you. And may our lives reflect that love that we have for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So this makes us family. Right here. The body and blood of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior, this makes us family. And you come in today and you can't find your seat. And in part, uh, we've moved around a little bit because yesterday was a piece of family. And we got to celebrate uh, the marriage of, of Rachel Herzberger and Stephen Johnson. Rachel's been around here since she was a little, little girl. And uh, we get to celebrate that in a different way because we're all family. We're family. We're brothers and sisters in Jesus. And we have some brothers and sisters in Jesus today who are uh, literally with us for the last time as, as little kids. And so we're having them come up right now, and a bunch of them don't know it. <laughs> so Vivian, would you come up? Grace, Elam, and Jackson. How's that? Have a seat. We're going to ask each of you 20 questions. <laughs> there you go. I want that one. Okay. So feel free to go there. There you go. So my son mocks me for crying. He does. He thinks I'm old and geezerly and wimpy. <laughs> and, uh, and it's been fun because when I talk about today, he's done a little crying of his own. It's been cool, man. <laughs> it's been, the it's heck? been fun. This, uh, this, first of all, this group is um, your, your like first full class, right? I, yeah. I mean, junior high and high school. This is your <sighs> first yep. full class of mm -hmm. kids. All the way through. So anything <clears throat> that's wrong with you, it's his fault. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> your first full class and and it's been it's been a great class i mean you see that our kids are not just they don't just attend church with mom and dad but our kids are the church our kids have been i mean elam sits back there where sherry is sitting right now controlling my universe making sure slides come up just right <laughs> and everything else vivian absolutely mad skills on the keys it's just nuts the other night we're doing that final song and and they taught her apart and they're all like my word, girl, what's up with you? They're just blown away. Jack's played guitar for us before he took his journey to Elgin and back, and here he is again, and, and Grace has been playing guitar for us as well. So all of them have been really involved in the life of our worship on Sunday morning. They've been involved in student life. Uh, a couple of them have been involved in stu as student leaders in, in the student ministry, and it's... Uh, I tell you what, today we're going to walk away and there's just going to be kind of a gaping hole in our hearts uh, because these, these guys have really... You've been huge. You first. Been great to, oh, I know. <laughs> I, don't, I have no shame. You're the one with shame. <laughs> Crying's good. Jesus wept. It's in the Bible. So I'm going to say a few things, and then Brian's going to say a few things, and I'm going to talk to you like we were talking alone. Some of you may be a little offended by what I'm saying, and to be perfectly honest, I don't care. 
Jackson, you're going to Concordia Lutheran School. I hear someone you know works there. Good school. <laughs> going to play some football. Off to Ball State, Vivian. You're going to be running and learning and all that sort of stuff. Grace tomorrow is headed to Universal to work as a scare actor during, what do they call their scare thing? Halloween, Halloween what nights? Horror nights. All right. So she's going to be doing that. Elam, Elam. You couldn't, you couldn't just go to Mizzou. No. <laughs> State Tech College of Missouri to become even smarter than you are and you're already scary smart. Just nuts. And uh, you're, you're, you're going to schools, you're going to places that um, I'm just going to say quite flatly and honestly, there are some really smart people there. And they're really dumb about God. They're really dumb about God. And you're going to hear things that are con- going to contradict what you heard here. You're going to hear things that are going to contradict what your parents have said. And you're going to think, but that man, that woman, they have a PhD. They must be smart. PhD stands for post hole digger, okay? <laughs> Congratulations. Sorry if a PhD, you wasted a lot of money. Um, a piece of paper does not make you smart. Following the wisdom of God makes you smart. And you're going to see a lot of stupid over the next four years. You're going to see students do stupid, and you're going to have teachers tell you stupid. You're going to have professors that are going to tell you that socialism is the way our country should go. In the words of a local philosopher, Ron Swanson, socialism is a big swing and a miss. All right? It doesn't work. It'll never work. It's stupid. Um, Sorry. You're going to hear stuff about gender. I'm going to take you back to the beginning of the Bible. Male and female, he created he them. Period. There ain't no nothing else. All right? You're going to hear a lot of junk. And then you and you, yeah, you're going to have these guys that are going to come at you and they're going to, you know, flirty eyes and everything else. And they're going to look cute and they're going to offer to do things and whatever. And you just say, no. All right? <laughs> Nancy Reagan, just say no. All right? <laughs> And you two are going to see girls, and you know, like you two are dating. Don't forget that. But you're, you're going to see girls, and you're going to think things, and, and you just say no to the devil, okay? No, no. Find someone that loves God. Find someone that shares your values. If you have to wait till you're 50, do it. But if you sell short and you find someone that doesn't love God and you don't find someone that shares your values, you're going to stand here, you're going to say, till, till death do us part in front of me, and about three years later you're going to say, well, that was nice and it's over. Find someone who loves God. Find someone who shares your values. Find someone who believes what the Bible says. And, and you know, so I, I... The church is the hope of the world and you are the hope of the church. And if you stop following God, we're sunk. All right? I know Jesus said he's got his church in hand. And I get that. Big, big, big C church he's got in hand. But Southfield could go away because we decide we don't love God anymore. You, strong, you stay strong with God. All right? Stay strong. Now, here's the thing. I know, I know you're going to go away to school. By the way, Brian went to you know, a godless pagan liberal hole. You of I. <laughs> And he actually came out still loving God and still having a good head politically and everything else. You can do it. You can do it. 
But let's say you go there and let's say, well, they are. They're a mess. A bunch. Anyway. So. You got to go through this in second service, too. I know. <laughs> if you go there and if you buy into their junk and if you get really dumb, that door is still open and our arms are still open and we still love you. All right? We will still love you. Don't you ever think you've fallen so far that you can never come back home. You can always come back home. Always, always, always. All right? Go. <laughs> well, you know, you pretty much said everything that I want to say. So, Including no. the part about your school? Go ahead. Never. Anyway. Uh, no, I'm going to go a little different direction, just kind of talk about each of them and what they've meant to our program uh, as quickly as I can. When, you're, when you are building a program uh, and, and you're at the ground floor and you're looking to what direction do I, you know, do I want to take this, what direction does God want this group to go, you look for attributes in every person that you have. You, you look and, and you see what can, what can we do with who we have in the room right here, right now. Um, and there are some key pieces that you need to get groups running and moving in the right direction. One of those things is the ability to have fun. And let me tell you, these four right here, we have had a lot, a lot Can of I fun. just say, by the way, the reason the sunglasses are on the screen is not because kids are cool. Recently, I'm moving a TV, looking, for, looking at a TV, I look behind, and there are sunglasses hidden back there that apparently one of you hit on Brian. I think that was Nikkel. This hiding thing. Uh, yeah, anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. They have fun, though. Yeah, we have fun, and they, they've put up with so much. The things that I've made them eat... The, uh, I'm sure that if the Concordia football team saw the picture of you when we uh, did all your makeup from Dollar General that one day, <laughs> it'd, it'd be a game changer. I don't know that uh, you'd be the leader for, for day one. Uh, you want to talk about just crazy all-out fun. Gracie is like the leader of that. Even last night at the wedding, you know, everyone's kind of like looking at the dance floor like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to do this. And Gracie's just out there like rocking and rolling and that, then everybody gets sucked in. You need, the, you need to have the ability to have fun. You also need people who are going to be there. You need people who are going to show up week in and week out. And while they were, while they were here, they showed up week in and week out. Some of them three, four times a week. You're talking Sunday morning. You're talking Sunday night. You're talking Bible study Tuesday night. You're talking refuge on Wednesday to help with that. And then you're talking worship team for the majority of them. I, they showed up. The value that they brought just in being there and being willing to, to step through the door each and every week, is, it's changed the entire nature of our groups. Mm. Refuge and revive are what they are because of, of this crew. And I'm not discrediting anybody else that's come through the program or anything like that, but again, it's my special, it's my first class. I love, I love what, what you four have been able to do for our groups, and I, again, I, I, can't, I cannot thank you enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to hold off on saying anything more because my lip's quivering, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop. So, <laughs> so thank you, love you, and uh, I, yeah, good luck in, in the next step. We love you. We love you very, very much. We love you very, very much. So we have our, we have our grad gift for you that we've given out for umpteen years. We've given you a, a waterproof New Testament, which I love because you can 
quite literally use it anywhere. And we have your, um, your ramen cookers. And uh, I know like need- at least three of you are so healthy you've never put ramen in your body. But, you know, give it to a friend. But remember, th- we, we need the disclaimer that you need to put water oh, yeah. in the ramen cooker. <laughs> McPhee. McPhee. Yeah. <laughs> Kylie, we, we gave one of these to a student uh, a few years ago, and she just dropped the ramen in the thing, put it in the microwave. Ruined her and mom's had a, microwave, and then, yeah. <laughs> had a yeah. mini house fire. Fun stuff. So, so what we're going to do right now, I'm sure she's appreciating that right now. Um, Love you, Kylie. We're going to have, if, if your parents are here, I don't know if some of them aren't here for both services, but if your parents are here, including Sherry back at Words, Words Can Live Without You, come on up. Ryan, though, would you go back to words because I'm going to need you to click something. So if parents would come up, I'd like you to stand behind them, put your hands on them, and then um, I'd like your student leaders as well to come up and do the same. And while they're doing that, I just have a couple pictures to show you. So Ryan, go to, go to the Vivian picture. Uh, Vivian and Vincent, man, the dynamic duo right there. Isn't that cute? They were at the old church. Somebody some morning was clicking, clicking shots and got that one. It must have been about the same time that they got this one of Elam with his little sister. Ah, Naya and Elam. And then this is one of my favorite pictures of all time. We used to do a, a hayride at the Tanners, and Elam and Nate are on the back of the hayride having a blast. So go ahead and put a hand on these guys. Father God in heaven, it has been a great privilege of the parents standing here to bring these kids into the world and to put their fingerprints quite literally all over them in their hearts, to train them in a way that they would love God, serve God, follow hard after God. What a privilege you give us of being a parent. It's been a privilege of the leaders standing here as well to guide, to open the Bible, to have long talks, to show up at countless track meets and football games and dance recitals and swim meets and all the stuff that's happened throughout the years. These kids have been so involved. And our leaders have been phenomenal in leading them. For three of them, this is the last time they'll be at church until Thanksgiving. I'm grateful that they're leaving a hole in our hearts that they made an impression, that they made a difference. I'm grateful for that. I look forward to the great things you're going to do through them. Guard their hearts, God. Guard their hearts from the stupidity of the world, and there's a lot of stupid out there right now. Guard their hearts. And as we've already said, help them to know they can always come home. Not only to us, but to you. They can always come home, no matter what. I pray that many years from now we'll look back on this class and say that's a difference maker right there. The church is the hope of the world and they are the hope of the church. We love them and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can all hug if you want. We're going to go to communion. So there are two tables in the back, two on the side, gluten-free over here on the sides of the stage, and the music is starting. Go to communion. Family of God. Well, if you're looking at your watches, you're going, <laughs> that grad thing was supposed to take 10 minutes. <clears throat> How are you? 
Good. It's nice to have you back from traveling the country. I was going to say, this is giving me a nightmare right now because yeah. I lived yeah. out of it for a little <laughs> over a week. So yeah. Our servers are coming to receive the offering, and uh, while they do, uh, youth groups miss you. The Blake over is going pretty well. They, yeah. They've done okay. Yeah. They've been having fun. They've made it, yeah. Yeah, so uh, with students this afternoon, we are going to be meeting Revive, 1230 to 230. Uh, it's the last technical day of the Blake over, and then uh, we'll get things back to normal. So this Wednesday, though, for Refuge, we are actually off because um, we're going to be preparing for our leader retreat, which happens next weekend. So this Wednesday and next Sunday, both groups will be off as our leaders get refreshed and renewed and ready for the fall. Um, we are going to Sky Zone in Joliet next Wednesday night for Refuge. So it'll be our normal time, 6.30 to 8.30, but we need to be there by 6. There's going to be an opportunity for you to um, sign up to get your tickets on our website here this afternoon. Uh, but if you don't have a chance to, to make it to that, just text me, let me know, or contact me through Remind to let me know that you're coming, and we will make sure that we have your ticket ready uh, for next Wednesday night. So again, that's, that's for Refuge. Next Wednesday, six, technically 6 to 8.30, uh, and we will not be providing transportation from uh, Southfield unless it's a, an absolute need. So um, again, if one of your students needs, needs that ride, let us know, and we will uh, we'll take care of that. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, after church, normally, after the service, over here on this side at the table, uh, we have somebody come and stand and, and pray with people. And this morning, the person who would normally be standing can't stand. Uh, Diane Jakubowski took a nice tumble, from what I understand, off of a deck and broke a foot. And then in the process also gave her face a pretty good smack, too. And uh, she posted a picture of the foot, and I wish I hadn't seen it. And uh, so she's got, I believe, 12 weeks of not being able to stand on her foot. So part of the reason I'm raising this today is because she's going to be um, trapped in her house for a little bit and not a person who likes being trapped in her house. So uh, Kim will be at the Welcome Center, and she's got some unique ministry opportunities that we could have with Diane over the next, over the next 12 weeks. So if you want to talk to her about that, if you'd like to be involved in that, again, someone who I know for many of you, she's stood and prayed with you and and brought the love of God to you, and it's an opportunity for you to do the same for her. So, good deal. Nice to have you back. Good to see you. All right, so here's what we're going to do. we got 20 minutes, and I was actually going to do part of last week and part of this week. So, I am from New York. I can talk fast. Baggage. We've been talking about baggage. That We have baggage in life that we think is what's weighing us down, holding us down, messing us up parts of our past that we wish weren't there, we wish they hadn't been part of it, whether it's relationships, mistakes we've made, whatever it is, we've got this baggage and we think that it's holding us back. But in reality, when we see what God says, behold, I am making all things new, he says, all things work together for the good of those who love God or are called according to his purpose, he can turn our baggage into luggage. He can take that thing that we think holds us back and turn it into something that we actually need for the journey. And so we've been looking at the different ways that people try to make life work apart from God. 
And classically, Larry Crabb came up with four ways out of the Bible that people try to make life work apart from God. They're city builders, people who are entrepreneurial at spirit, but more than entrepreneurial, they decide their word is I will. I'm going to make it happen. Human head sledgehammer, human steamroller, they just make things work. And honestly, there's a lot of wreckage. There's a lot of wreckage in their path as they, as they build their own cities. Uh, we looked at the whitewasher last week, and I'm going to just touch on a couple things about the whitewasher again today. Whitewasher just likes to deny reality. Whitewasher likes to see everything is good, and there's a lot of high-pitched, I'm fine, all's okay, don't worry about me. And they don't rely on God for that. Instead, they just pretend that the truth around them doesn't exist. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at the well digger. The well digger is a person who, who decides they're going to find delight in anything but God. And so they, they dig deeply into all kinds of things that they believe are going to bring them satisfaction, life apart from God. And then next week, we're going to be looking at the firelighter. And the firelighter just needs to know. That's why we put them last. It makes them crazy. But we, firelighters believe that they can control their lives by knowing things, by knowing what's going on. As we've said already, you are one of these primary metaphors. One of these really speaks to how you try to operate life apart from God. Having said that, we all, from time to time, fall into one or the other. You're going to have different moments in which you will use one of these, uh, one of these metaphors through life. So let me just say a few things about whitewashers that I didn't get a chance to say last week. Uh, we already said this, whitewashers attempt to hide structural problems with cosmetic solutions. So they, they think that throwing a little paint on it will make it okay, even though the world is falling apart. And they can be masters of diversion, distraction, and decoy. So they're constantly trying to keep attention off the truth. They have a tenuous relationship with the truth. But life is a series of invitations to tell the truth. God is wanting us to walk in truth. He wants to see it, tell it, receive it, and live in it. Somewhere along the way, the whitewasher had an experience with truth, probably with a family member or something, someone, someone in their life, that they started to see truth as harsh, hurtful, harmful, and hateful. When someone else told the truth, they were speaking the truth, but they weren't, as Ephesians says, speaking the truth in love. They didn't see that truth could be spoken in a loving way. Well, when the whitewasher moves from baggage to luggage, they start to see that there is a more resourceful, life-giving way to live, and that is to choose the path of tender truthfulness. And part of what I love about the whitewasher, when they finally start living life with God instead of apart from God, they see the truth for what it is, but they see that part of speaking the truth in love. And they bring the love in ways that others may not. They're able to bring the truth in such a way that while the truth is still hard, the way it's being said is not harsh. It doesn't feel like a baseball bat. So as they're making the journey, a big part of their journey with God is to start being truthful to God, to pray the whole prayer request, not just parts of it to make sure that the whole is being said. We, we had a prayer for you last week that I think is really helpful for the whitewasher to just sit in your time of talking to God and answer the question, what's the truest thing I can say to God right now? The whitewasher has a hard time saying, I'm hurting. God, I'm disappointed. God, life is breaking my heart. 
to just be so honest about where they are, to speak that honesty straight to God, knowing God already knows the honesty of our heart. He's just trying to get us to finally see it. And then there's a journey they go on themselves, a journey that they go on themselves to start to actually speak tender truthfulness to themselves because they don't just whitewash to everybody else, they whitewash to themselves. They create delusions for themselves. So this more resourceful whitewasher starts speaking tender truthfulness to themselves. They realize, I need to speak the truth to me. It's okay for me to speak the truth to me. I think it's really important for the whitewasher to examine their self-talk. What, what are the messages you tell yourself all the time? Because a lot of those messages are a big bucket of white paint instead of the truth of what's being said, of what's happening in life in that moment. I think it's even helpful to speak the truth out loud to yourself, to actually hear it from your own lips, to say it, and to realize when you've spoken the truth, you didn't just melt, die, or break. You're okay. You're okay. It's okay to hear the truth. It's okay to say the truth. So when it comes to this idea of speaking the truth in love, it's not just speaking the truth in love to your family member or a friend. It's speaking the truth in love to yourself. And as you do that, you find yourself growing in resourcefulness. The person to ponder for the whitewasher is the woman at the well. She is a classic whitewasher. Why does she show up at the well at noon? She wants to deny the reality of her circumstances. She's an outcast in the village. She's not going to show up when people are there and saying, oh, did you see her? No, she goes when nobody's going to see her. When Jesus starts to confront her, you know, tell me about your life, and she makes a comment about her relationships, and Jesus comes back and says, yeah, you're in a relationship. You're not married. You've had like six of them, and you know, you got a little problem going here. And what does she do? Rather than saying, yeah, I know my life is broken, she says, sir, I can see you are a prophet. She reaches for the bucket of paint, blop, 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 splash it on, and she wants to take it into a theological conversation rather than dealing with the reality of her circumstances. In John 4, 23 to 24, Jesus just flatly says to her, God is the spirit, and those who are going to worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You got to confront God with the truth. You got to confront yourself with the truth. Now, to talk about the well digger today and to wrap up the whitewasher is interesting because when you bring those two together, of all the relationships, this, this relationship tends to be very symbiotic. This one, this one theoretically works. Well diggers love whitewashers because they're, they're digging themselves a hole of addiction and the whitewasher is saying, it's okay, he'll quit next week. It's no problem. It's not really ruining our whole life. And so they, you know, they get along really well. If, if you got a well digger and a whitewasher in your family, I promise you that the well digger isn't going to the city builder and isn't going to the firelighter for help. More often than not, you will hear from the whitewasher what's going on in the well digger's life. It's the way it works. That's the unredeemed side of them. The redeemed whitewasher can be tremendously helpful to the well digger because they sit, not with the baseball bat, but with, but with just tender truth and say, here's what's going on and here's what's going to happen to your life if something doesn't change like yesterday. So 
The verse for the well digger is Jeremiah 2, 9 to 13. Sobering, convicting words. God says to the people, therefore I bring charges against you. He states this like a legal brief. I bring these charges against your children's children. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns. Whoops. They have dug their... Go back. They have have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So what's he saying? God's saying, I am supposed to be your source of satisfaction and delight. And you've decided to go for junk food. You've decided to go somewhere else to find satisfaction and delight. You've decided to dig your own well, to find your own water, rather than relying on me, the source of living water. You have a nice long list, just like the others of the characteristics of the, of the well digger. They pursue pleasure and they avoid pain. I love talking to well diggers when you start talking about pain, man. They just, they don't want to talk about hard times, bad things. They just want, they want to get away from that. And, and they can tell you the price of, of, every, uh, of every theme park in the area. Uh, they, they avoid anything that would disrupt or cause unpleasant feelings or discomfort. There's a distinct sense of emptiness. Something is missing in their life. It, 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 it's, you know, that, that always, ah, I know there's something. There's something more. What is it? Why am I missing it? They withdraw from people or circumstances that don't fill the emptiness. So they're only going to go after the fun, the thing that seems to be meeting the, the hole in their heart. Much energy is given to developing strategies to fill the emptiness. They jump from one thing to the next in a desperate attempt to escape pain and longing while pursuing that which offers to fulfill or satisfy. So always looking to fill the craving, but the craving isn't being filled with junk food. The pleasure or fulfillment pursued can be anything. Drugs, alcohol, shopping, sex, pornography, food, attention or approval or applause of others. Anything. Anything that eases the pain inside or fills the emptiness will be pursued. Underlying issue is a keen sense of emptiness, a lack of fullness, a lack of fulfillment. And their key phrase is, I need. What they really should say is, I want, but they don't say that. They say, I need. I need it now. I just had this on the screen a couple weeks ago, but I bring it to you again because this one so applies to the well digger. Sin is what you do when your heart is not satisfied with God. I mean, isn't that what this is all about? Pursuing life apart from God. Sin is what you do when your heart is not satisfied with God. So when you're not drinking deeply from God, you're going to find the junk food of the world and you're going to try to fill yourself with it rather than filling yourself with God. The well digger relates to you too. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I am looking and looking and looking, and there's just an emptiness. There's a hole. Why is the hole not being filled? And they will often confuse distraction with true delight. So they'll talk about something that they think was just really, oh, that was the best. But if they were really to scratch it a bit, they'd find, hmm, it still could have been better. There's still something else. There's still something missing. They, they confuse distraction with delight. Well diggers have a tenuous relationship with thirst, or in other words, with desire. They're desiring and desiring and desiring, and the desire is not being fulfilled. And understand, desire is not a sin. Desire was placed in you by God. God wants you to desire. God wants you to long, and he wants you to find the fulfillment of your longing in him, not in the junk food of the world. 
Life is a series of invitations to desire, to drink deeply, to delight, to delight in God. So how does this person move from the baggage that weighs them down to the luggage that they need for the journey? Because I think of all of these. You kind of look at the well digger and you go, what's redeemable in that? What's redeemable in a person that's only ever looking to fill a hole in their heart? There's a ton that's redeemable. There's a ton, that, there's a ton that's redeemable. Psalm 37, 4 says what? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And the truest understanding of that verse is not delight yourself in the Lord and God will fill your list of desires, but when you delight yourself in the Lord, God will actually change your desires. God will change the longings of your heart to be bent toward longing for him. You think when Jesus was in the wilderness and Satan's talking to him, Satan was going right after desire with Jesus, right to the heart of desire. It says he was very hungry. He's longing to be filled. And Satan says, just make some bread. What does Jesus say? The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's saying there's a fullness to be found apart from food. There's a fullness, fullness to be found apart from just having fun. There's a fullness to be found in delighting in God. And I think ultimately the well digger has the greatest opportunity of any of us to be a deep delighter in God, in people, and in all that he's created. Beautiful psalm that David writes. And I, and I think David's got some well digger going. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I am seeking you. My soul, my soul is thirsting for you. My flesh is longing for you in a land parched, weary, and waterless. I long to gaze on you in your sanctuary and to see your power and glory. It's, it's beautiful when the well digger can finally say this next line. Your love is better than life itself. My lips will recite your praise. All my life I will bless you. In your name I will lift up my hands. And so a part of the journey for the well digger with God is, is to actually turn to God and say, instead of filling the hole in my life with everything else, I'm actually going to turn to you to fill that hole. How about within oneself? What does that journey look like? We grow more resourceful. That's the last guy. Go for the second line. I will let myself be hungry long enough. That's what it's all about right there. I will let myself be hungry long enough. I'm actually going to allow hunger to ride out its course. A piece of the problem for the well digger is that they grab for something to fill the hunger too quickly. They don't wait long enough to actually discover that God can satisfy the hole in their life. They grab too quickly for something else. So I'll let myself be hungry long enough. I won't confuse distraction with delight. Distraction is not delight. God wants to help you to truly delight, and I will make room for holy and not just happy. I'll actually pursue holiness in my life and not just the next thing that seems fun. The person to ponder for the well digger is King Solomon. 
I mean, King Solomon is just grabbing for every pleasure he possibly can, right? And, and the passage to ponder is all of Ecclesiastes. Because what does he keep saying? Tried that, didn't fill the hole. Tried that, didn't fill the hole. Tried that, didn't fill the hole. I mean, he goes, he goes through everything in a major way. Tried that, didn't fill the hole. And he comes to the end of it all and he says, I love the first part because this is classic well digger verse. Of making, of making many books, there is no end, and much, much study wearies the soul. They don't, they, don't, they don't want to go for that stuff, right? But it's the next part. Now all that has been heard, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. What does he say? Ultimately, it comes back to, I want you to find life in me and not everything else. Life apart from God is void of true delight. That's what Solomon says. You're never going to find true delight it, apart from God. It doesn't happen. So then we come to the with others. And I just want to remind you the way this has been going. So next week we'll look at fire lighter. And then the week after that, we're actually going to look at all four of them together and see not how they destroy community, but how these can actually be brought together in such a way that they make our community even more beautiful. I think that the, 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 the redeemed, resourceful well digger brings great beauty to community. Uh, it really, really does. They have learned how to delight in God in a way that the other three look and say, I wish I could delight like that. Uh, there's, and, and they're able to actually bring... Um, fun to the moment. City builders, firelighters, fun isn't even in their vocabulary. They need someone around that says, when's the last time we actually like enjoyed what we're doing? We need those people around. When they're redeemed and resourceful, they can bring, bring real beauty, a real beauty to the kingdom of God. So here's the miracle, right? There are no more slides and it's 10 o'clock. So why don't you stand? Let's close in prayer. Father God in heaven, as we walk away from this place today, we are grateful, we are ever so grateful uh, that we get to be a part of this great family. We're grateful for our kids and the way you're growing them. We're, we're grateful for Diane, and we pray that you will use the season she's going through to grow her in new ways to trust in you and, and to rely on other people. We, we're grateful for uh, what you've done for Stephen and for Rachel and the start of their first full day of marriage together. We're thankful that we can part, be part of an awesome family. And we look at even the different characteristics of people within our family, and we realize that if we only view them from a baggage place, we are not viewing them uh, from the way you view people. And so I pray that we will see that each of these styles, each of these approaches to life can be redeemed, they can be resourceful, and they can bring real beauty to the kingdom of God. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You enjoy your weekend.